Have a dope day. Good morning, good morning. Welcome to What Would Kay Say? I am your host, Kay Edwards. How are God's blessed and highly favored people doing today? On this first Sunday in May, right? We are in the middle of the second quarter of the year. And I have some questions for you. As always, get your adrenaline working on this Sunday morning. Got you thinking about a couple of things. We have been working towards getting back into alignment with the Lord. How is that going for you? Is everything coming together as you had hoped it would? Are you following the plans that God has set before you? 
Are you staying on your journey with minimal detours? And I have to ask those questions because those questions were presented to me this week. And the answers that I was getting, well, they really didn't surprise me, but it kind of surprised me. But I want you to know that always trust that what God says is true. Because as he says in Jeremiah, for I know the thoughts that I have towards you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. So I want you all to trust in the plans that God has for you. It's always for your good, and they will come to be. So as we continue to dive into the Minor Prophets, today we will look at the book of Micah, which puts us halfway through our journey of the Minor Prophets. Now let me say, for those of you who missed any of my shows, especially these on the Minor Prophets, you can find my old shows on RadioFreeBrooklyn.org. Go to my show page, What Would Kay Say? There you will find all my shows. You can also find it on Spotify, What Would Kay Say? On Apple and on all other podcast platforms. But now, I want to say there were 12 minor prophets in the Bible and Micah is the sixth. And when I first started talking about Hosea, I didn't know that I was going to continue on this journey and do this study of all the minor prophets. But God knew. And I'm so glad that he took us through this journey because I do pray that you are all getting something out of the discussion. And even if it just makes you look at the books again for yourself, then what I set out, well, what God has placed on me to do, it's been accomplished. Because although I read them in seminary school, I'm getting a chance to see the story through different eyes, which gives me a better understanding of what God is saying. Because when I first read through the Minor Prophets, I was just, you know, you read it because you had, when you were in seminary school, you have to read the Bible. The entire book, Bible, from cover to cover, from Genesis to Revelation. So when you're reading sometimes, as I know I did, now maybe it was only me because, you know, all the rest of you are perfect when it comes to being studious and doing your homework. When you were in school, you were the best A student. So everyone always took the time to read every page, every paragraph, every word written. I'm going to admit that was not me. There were a lot of times that because life and I'm living life and I have a family, I'm racing through. I'm racing through to see, oh, okay, I didn't do, oh, what am I supposed to read tonight? What were those questions? All right, let me take the questions. Let me go back in the book and find the answer. Yes, my hand is raised. That that was me in some instances. Sometimes, yes, I read all the way through and I was like, oh, wow, that was very good. But then sometimes I was like, oh, this, okay, it's only five pages. Let me just take the answers. What's the question? Let me look for the answer. So 
Yes, I read the Minor Prophets, but I didn't read the Minor Prophets. But now I'm getting to not only read the Minor Prophets, I'm getting to understand the Minor Prophets. So let me just say this. The main role of the Minor Prophet was to call people back to the covenant of God. In other words, they were sent by God to tell you what you were doing wrong and to stop it. We always think of prophets as telling the future. Now, there are times when they do foretell the future, but that was not their role. They were sent to speak change into, the, into your life where you were at that moment. God would send the prophet to give the word to the people as to what they were doing and what he wanted them to do. And let's just think, let's just look back in some of the times where we've seen prophets speaking to people. We could go back to David. And when we think of Nathan, when Nathan went to David with the parable about the rich man and his, his large flock and the poor man with his one little lamb, that story was clearly the story of what was happening with David and Bathsheba and Uriah. When he told him that story, he was telling him about what he had done, not what he was going to do, right? He went to David to tell him what he, that God saw what he did, he didn't like what he did, and he used the parable to get the, the story straight with David. He didn't go to David and say, the Lord told me to tell you that you're going to do blah, 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 and this is what's going to Here's the story, and where do you see yourself in this picture? That's why David was so convicted when he heard the story. And he was so adamant about, oh, yes, how could that rich man do that to that poor man? But then when Nathan said, because that was you, then you get convicted. If you can't get convicted, if God sends a word to you, it's not going to convict you if you haven't done it yet. So God would send the prophets to tell the people what they're doing and that he needed them to stop. And because because God is telling people where they have failed time and time again in his covenant with them, it also is so that they are reminded of the curses that's associated with breaking that covenant. Everyone always wants to think of, oh, God is just blessings, 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 God can never do anything evil. God could never do anything that would be against us. No, he doesn't do things that are against you. No, he does not. But he does tell you, I'm totally here for your good. But if you don't do what I put forth for you to do, there will be consequences to pay. Not that God is putting that on you. He's not putting that on you. You chose to go opposite of what he put forth, so you're going to suffer the consequences. So when you think about it, God gives blessings when you're keeping his covenant, but the opposite is also true. If you have blessings, you're going to have curses. And when you don't keep the covenant and you break the covenant, you're going to reap the rewards. 
disobedience, you're going to reap the rewards of the curses. So now, let's talk about Micah. And as I had mentioned with the previous the previous prophets that we looked at, we saw a reoccurring theme with their message. Beware of the day of the Lord. All of them warned the people of their sins and evil deeds. They warned of the behavior that God found to be displeasing. And if the people did not change the way that they were moving towards God and towards one another, they were going to face the consequences. It was that simple. The prophets were sent to warn the people. And Micah was no different. He too had a warning for the people. As you can remember, okay, let's take it back to the, give us a time of reference. After the reign of Solomon, the country was split in two sections. Israel in the northern kingdom and Judah in the southern region. Micah was from the southern region. So his warning was sent to the people of Judah. But it didn't stop there. God was also sending a warning to the northern kingdom because God was unhappy and their actions would be judged. The message from God was clear. God was totally displeased with the behavior of both kingdoms, right? And God outlined the judgments that were awaiting both Judah and Israel if they did not come back to him. But we know God always gives you a chance to do the right thing, and it's always up to you to decide what you will do. So Micah was a prophet known for criticizing unjust power, advocating for the oppressed, and prophesying the downfall and restoration of Judah and Israel. He also predicted the birth of the Messiah in Bethlehem. So let's look at Micah chapter 1, 1 and 7, 1 to 7. The word of the Lord that came to Micah of Moresheth in the days of Jothan, Ahaz, Ahaz, (laughs) and Hezekiah, kings of Judah, which he saw concerning Samaria and Jerusalem. Hear, all you peoples, listen, O earth and all that is in it. Let the Lord God be a witness against you, the Lord from his holy temple. For behold, the Lord is coming out of his place. He will come down and tread on the high places on earth. The mountains will melt under him and the valleys will split like wax before the fire, like waters poured down a steep place. All this is for the transgression of Jacob and the sins of the house of Israel. What is the transgression of Jacob? Is it not Samaria? And what are the high places of Judah? Are they not Jerusalem? Therefore, I will make Samaria a heap of ruins in the field, Places for planting a vineyard, I will pour down her stones into the valley, and I will uncover her foundations. 
All her carved images shall be beaten to pieces, and all her pay as a harlot shall be burned with the fire. All her idols I will lay desolate, for she gathered it from the pay of a harlot, and they shall return to the pay of a harlot. Wow. Rough words right there. Here, God is telling the people that when they entered into a covenant with him, it was like a marriage. You know, when you get married, you say your vows. That's the, that is supposed to be the person that you are with through richer, through poorer, through sickness and in health, till death do you part, right? So when the people of Israel turned to idolatry, worshiping images, aligning themselves with the God of the pagan nations that were surrounding them and had come in and taken over, it grieved God. It grieved him. It was like they were committing spiritual adultery. And we see in verse 7 how Micah states that they got paid like prostitutes. All her carved images shall be beaten to pieces and all her pay as a harlot shall be burned with the fire. So God was like saying, you're out there worshiping these pagan idols. You know what I've done for you. You know how I brought you out of Egypt. You know how every time you cry to me, I am there for you. But yet you're running to these idols You're doing what these pagans do. You are committing adultery on me. You're giving your time, your energy, your love to someone other than me. Chapter two, we see how Micah warns the people. Woe to those who devise iniquity and work out evil in their beds. At the morning light, they practice it. Because it, because it is in the power of their hand, they covet fields and take them by violence, also houses and seize them. So they oppress a man and his house, a man and his inheritance. Therefore, thus says the Lord, behold, against this family, I, will de- I am devising disaster for which you cannot remove your necks, nor shall you walk haughty. For this is an evil time in the day one shall take up a proverb against you. Right here, Mike is telling the people, God sees the, the things that you do. God sees that, know everything that, you're, that is going on. He sees it. They are practicing to take things from people. Okay, back in that time, the people who had money oppressed the poor. So if they wanted something from the poor, they took it. If they felt that, oh, I need to, okay, say you have land and there's somebody that lives out of your thousand acres, there's someone that lives right outside your thousand acres and you feel, you know what, I just need to, I want to put an addition on the back of this house that I've built. And you know what? It might just spill over into so-and-so's yard. I'll just take it. Because they had the money. They had the power. 
They would just go in and just take things from people who were just trying to make it with what little that they had. They were overthrowing the people out of their homes. They were taking people's inheritances. Like if someone died and, oh, my family left me this land. No, they didn't. It's mine now. We have no record that your family even lived there. They were just doing so many things that was so against what God had. And you know, God wrote how many laws for them to follow. And in those laws, it told you about inheritance, about people with their lands. It told you how to treat one another. They were disobeying all of that. So God told them, you're not going to be able to remove yourself from this. You're not going to get away with this, what you're doing to the people. So as we go into chapter three, we see that here it is, God is telling them to stay away from false prophets. Because back then you had prophets that were doing things for money. And listen to what God tells them. Thus says the Lord concerning the prophets who make my people stray, who chant peace while they chew with their teeth, but who prepared war against him, who puts nothing into their mouths. Therefore, you shall have night without vision, you shall have darkness without um you should have darkness without um divination the sun shall go down on the prophets and the day shall be dark for them so the seers shall be ashamed and the diviners abonished indeed they shall all cover their lips for there is no answer from god now hear this you heads of the house of Jacob and rulers of the house of Israel. You abhor justice and pervert all equity. Who build up Zion with bloodshed and Jerusalem with iniquity. Her head judge for a bribe. Her priests teach for pay. And her prophets divine for money. Yet they lean on the Lord and say, is not the Lord among us? No harm can come upon us. Therefore, because of you, Zion shall be plowed like a field. Jerusalem shall become heaps of ruins and the mountain of the temple like the bare hills of a forest. Now, I was reading from chapter three, verse five to seven. Now, right here in there, God is warning the people God is warning the people, number one, about the prophets because the prophets were going around prophesying for money. God was warning the people that there were many, the rich, who would seek out the prophets because they wanted to hear a word from the Lord so they would give them money, give them food, you know, just pour all these riches upon them and the prophet would give them a good word from the Lord. But if the poor man wanted to hear a word from the Lord, because he was poor and he couldn't pay as much as the rich people were paying, the prophet would give him curses. The prophet would give him harsh words that God had said, making the poor people turn away from the Lord. It was making the poor people not want to deal with God because the prophets were telling them things that God had not said. And here you see 
it's saying here that the heads of the judge, you, you, her head judges, you know, they give verdicts for bribes. The priests teach for pay, meaning that you go into the synagogues, you try to get a word of understanding of what God has said, and they're only giving you a word if you're paying. And the prophets only give you a divine word of what thus saith the Lord if you pay them. But the Lord is telling them, as they're walking around saying, oh, God is with us. What harm could come from us because we're blessed? In other words, they're saying, when you look at it today, think about it. How rich people boast about how blessed they are and how they're rewarded because of their hard work. That's what the people back then were doing too. Oh, look, I have so many thousands of acres because God blesses me because I'm so good. And you're poor because God doesn't want to bless you because you're so bad. But we know that it's not the works that makes God bless us. It's not by our works that we receive blessings from God. It's by our obedience. So because they were able to manipulate land, because of they had judges that, like I said, with the inheritance, when people would pass away and the judge would say, we have no record of this, so whoever wanted that land could just come and take it over. Because they were playing these little games, the prophets going and giving good words and giving evil words to the other people, making them discouraged in the Lord and thus turning away. So we all know when you get discouraged in the Lord and you turn away, then you just go and you you go to your own understanding and you do whatever you feel is best for you, which in turn is not going to bring you the best in your life. Because if it's going against the covenant, then how could you be blessed if you're going against the covenant that God had made with his people? So that's all that was going on in this time in both Judah and both Israel. And God sent Micah to warn the people of Judah to not be fooled. I see everything you're doing. I see how you're moving with one another. I see how you're being unjust to one another. And then also I see how you're worshiping the idols and you're also moving against me. And because of that, judgment is coming. I think it's time for us to take a music break. You've been listening to What Would Kay Say here on Radio Free Brooklyn, what Brooklyn sounds like. Oh, 
Welcome back, welcome back, welcome back. You are listening to What Would Kay Say here on Radio Free Brooklyn. I want to give us our music selections. We heard, of course, at the top of the hour to open up the show, Making Changes by Grace. Then in our musical break, we had I Believe by Jacqueline Carr and We Come Alive by Jonathan Trailer. 
Now comes to the part of the show that I call Op-Ed. And as we continue our conversation in the book of Micah, I just want to say where what I had left off with before we went to the music break, and I was saying about how people always think that God is just all blessings, and we know God is love. We know that God is love, and God only wants the best for us. This is true. But just like a parent who loves their child and wants only the best for them, you also know that there's consequences when you don't follow the rules of the house, right? And because God is about family, and that's what makes it so easy for us to, well, should make it so easy for us to comprehend. If you're looking at it as God is the father and we're his children, just take, you don't even have to say, oh, well, I didn't have a father in my house. Don't be so literal with the whole father, father, father. God is the fa- God is the creator of all things. So in your household, you were created by your parents. Whether you have a father there now, not. Whether you have a mother there now or not, you were created. And there were rules in that household that you had to follow. Those of us who came from households who had rules. Because in everyone's home, there should be some sort of rules. And that's probably why a lot of today's youth have gone astray because there are no rules. There's no boundaries. There's nothing confining because everybody's like, I can do whatever I want to do. Let me just be free. Let me live my life. Let me be me. No one stops you from being you because you have to follow rules and directions. And that's the same thing with the Lord. God has rules and directions for his people. It doesn't stop you from being who you are. It just keeps you from being the worst part of who you could be because we know that sin abounds in us because of the fall. We went through this, the fall of Adam and Eve. So when you think about what God is telling the people and what Micah and the prophets were telling the people, it wasn't that God was trying to restrict them from living their lives. He was trying to control them from getting out of control because he saw how the more that they gained, the more they wanted to take. The more that they they gained control, the more control they wanted. So when he says, I see the way you're operating with one another, how you're oppressing your brother and your sister, If you already have, why are you taking from someone else? But that's just human nature, right? That's just what we do here as humans. If we have something and we want, we always want more, can hardly hold what we have in our two hands, but we're still wanting more. And that's just people. So when we continue with our conversation of Micah, he had strong words for the people in both Israel, and Judah. He was telling them about what they were doing, how they were acting, how God was watching everything, and that they weren't going to get away with it, no matter how much they thought they were going to get away with it. Because don't we see today, people just always think 
they're going to get away with something. And see, God gives you time. He'll give you a warning. And then when you don't turn around, then that's when you suffer the consequences. Just like when you think about the rules and regulations in your house. Your mother would warn you, you know what? Keep talking back to me and see what's going to happen to you. Right? Or keep coming in late and see what's going to happen to you. She would warn you. You knew if you kept doing whatever behavior you were doing that was against what the house rules were, there were going to be consequences. So God is giving Israel and Judah, and as we saw from the other prophets, he was also talking to the the pagans as well. He was talking to all the nations, look, get your acts together. Why are you acting like this? Why are you behaving in this manner? But with God letting them know, if you don't straighten up, this is what's going to happen to you. Micah was also telling them that everything could change around for the better and that it would change around for the better. We see if we go into chapter 4, he starts out with, Now it shall come to pass in the latter days that the mountain of the Lord's house shall be established on the top of the mountains and shall be exalted above the hills, and the peoples shall flow to it. Many nations shall come and say, Come, and let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob. He will teach us his ways, and we shall walk in his path. For out of Zion the law shall come forth, and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. So Micah was telling them there was going to be a time that everyone was going to be running to the Lord because they would want to know his ways, because they would want to follow what he had put forth. And he tells us in his, in that verse, in that verse two, where he says, and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. This is where he goes into chapter 5, and he's talking about the coming of Christ. Chapter 5, when we start with verse 2, But you, Bethlehem, Ephrathah, though you are little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of you shall come forth to me the one to be ruler in Israel whose goings forth are from of old, from everlasting. Therefore, he shall give them up until the time that she who is in labor has given birth. Then the remnant of his brethren shall return to the children of Israel, and he shall stand and feed his flock in the strength of the Lord, in the majesty of of the name of the Lord his God, they shall abide. For now he shall be great till the ends of the earth, and this one shall be peace. 
right there, he's talking about the coming of Christ. Because he's saying, out of Bethlehem, because they always thought what good could come out of Bethlehem, what good could come out of Nazareth. They always were looking at those places as not having anything. Because it was so small when you looked at Judah in its entirety. But it says that you shall come forth to me, the one to be ruler of Israel, whose comings forth are from old, from everlasting. That right there is reverting back to how Jesus was with the Father in the beginning. So he's telling them there is going to be one. There is going to be one that's going to come. And he's going to feed his flock. And he should be great to the ends of the earth, the one who shall be peace. And we call Christ the Prince of Peace, right? He is the Prince of Peace because he came in a chaotic world. He came where everything is breaking loose. He came when he knew people had no hope. He knew that people were treating one another incorrectly. Although they were all given the law, no one was following. Those who were following were following it to their benefit. To those who couldn't understand what the law really meant, they, the ones who could understand were interpreting it so that it would benefit them and not the ones who couldn't understand, just as we have it today. Just as we have it today. We have people who are talking, interpreting the book, the Bible, to meet their own standards and their own needs. They're preaching one thing, but acting another way, right? Feeding the people falsities or manipulating God's word so that it benefits them and theirs and not everyone. And we all know God is for everyone. So here, this is what sums it up. This sums up, This verse sums up the entire chapter of Micah, the entire book of Micah, excuse me, chapter six. And in verse six, he says, with what shall I come before the Lord and bow myself before the high God? Micah is asking a question, you know, what is it that we should do to get back into the good graces of God? And in verse eight, he tells us just what is required of us from the Lord. He has shown you, O men, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? But to do justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. That's all God requires of us, to do justly by one another. To love mercy, meaning have compassion, because you too can stumble and fall and to walk humbly before your God. Don't walk around all puffed up, proud of, yeah, look what God did for me. He does this for me because who I am. Mm-mm. Not so. Yes, he does do things for you, but he does things for all people. He does things for people who follow him, who recognize what he said who gives him reverence, not just because of who you are or because you have all this money in the bank 
or because you own all this land. No, God is not looking at that as, oh, you're better than the next one who has nothing. Because what did Jesus say about the widow who gave her last bit? She, what she put in that pot for her offering, it was her last. It was worth more than what the rich, the rich man was putting in because it was her last and she sacrificed everything. So if we're able to live by those words from the prophet, then we're halfway there. Because it's like what Jesus said, love God first, love your neighbor as you love yourself. With that, I end op-ed. We are in a new month, people. We are in the month of May. With a new month comes a new word. The word of the month is temerity. Excessive confidence or boldness. Audacity. And that's what these people were living with. And that's what some of us are living with today. We're walking around with excessive confidence and boldness and audacity. So just watch yourself for this month and see how much that word plays out in your life, either in your own life or in the lives of people that are around you. And our promise for this week is going to come from 1 Corinthians 1 and 9. God is faithful by whom you were called into the fellowship of his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. So with that, I want everyone to have a blessed Sunday. Enjoy your week. I know my week last week was very enlightening. I got some clarity. And I can't really say clarity. Okay, I'll just give you a little bit of the story. I have a little bit of time before I have to go. You know, we had talked about the book of Jonah, right? And I always say that that's me. But what I want to say to you is when God wants to get a message to you, he's going to get that message to you, especially if you're open and receptive to it. Now, I had been, as always, I'm always talking to God, so that's nothing new, but I guess I had been talking to him in a way that he was like, are we having this conversation again? Why are we having this conversation again? So, but God won't say to you, why are we having this conversation again? What he'll do is he'll give you the answer in a different way from a different, from a different way. Now you've already had the answer. He's given you the answer, but if it, takes him giving it to you a different way. He'll give it to you a different way. And that's what I had encountered this week at when I was at work. I was looking for answers to questions that I had asked a thousand times. And the answer is always the same. <laughs> the answer is always the same. I don't know why I was looking for a different answer to come, but I guess, you know, as being humans, that's what we do. We're looking for a different answer, just like children do with their, with their parents. They'll ask for something, they'll ask for something, and the answer is always going to be the same. But you're still going to come back and ask for it. You're going to ask for it a different way. But the answer is still always going to be the same. 
That's the same way God is. So I kept asking and asking and asking in various ways, complaining and murmuring and fussing and having a tantrum. And the answer was always the same. So I just want you to know that God is faithful. He's totally faithful. He will answer you the same answer he gave you before. It's just for you to accept it and do what you need to do with that answer that he gives you. So with that, I want to leave you with that. I want to leave you with that thought. So all of you who might be, oh, God's not answering me. No, he answered you. He might not have answered you in the way that you wanted to be answered, but he answered you. And most of the time when he answers us, he answers us in the way that we need to be answered. It's just all about whether we want to follow what he said. And that all goes back to being in that alignment and understanding what we need to do and how we need to do it. So I want to leave you with that thought. Just be mindful that when you keep asking him questions, he's going to give you the same answer. He just might send it through a different person, but it's still going to be the same answer. And that's the thing that how it seems like it's a different answer because you don't know how it's going to come out from this different person because everybody has their own way of delivering a message. So when you finally do get that message delivered to you, depending on who he gave the message to, maybe you'll hear it clearer. So with that, I say have a wonderful weekend. Enjoy your week. Stay blessed. Be blessed. Do what you're supposed to do. Stay in covenant. Stay in alignment. And until God brings us back together again next week, peace.
I did want to come back and say, and I know this is not like me, but I forgot to mention that Radio Free Brooklyn is turning eight years old. Isn't that wonderful? So next week, Saturday, May 13th, we're going to be at Sleepwalk 2150 